Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, October 4th, and this is your FT News Briefing. A war of words over the IMF's managing director could come to a head this week, and a top Deutsche Bank official tells the FT that good compliance can be painful for business. Plus, what do you get when you combine gene editing tools like CRISPR with YouTube? A whole bunch of biohackers. If you think of the mad scientist in his garage who's kind of blowing himself up, guys operate off-grid because they just have a compulsion to do it. Our Alphaville editor, Isabella Kaminska, met some amateur gene scientists and shares some of their concerns. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The board of the International Monetary Fund will meet this week to discuss allegations against the IMF's managing director. Kristalina Georgieva has been accused of manipulating data to favor China while in her previous role at the World Bank. A report commissioned by the bank's board found her responsible for falsifying scores in the 2018 edition of the bank's influential Doing Business report so that China could move up in the rankings. Here's the FT's Jonathan Wheatley. It has been very, very widely followed. Governments put huge pressure on the World Bank every year to evaluate favourably their attempts to reform. It's actually used an awful lot by foreign investors who are thinking of investing in a country. And if a country climbs up the rankings or scores very well, then it is viewed as a better investment prospect for direct investment. As people I've spoken to during the reporting for this story have said that billions of dollars hang on it. Jonathan, what could this mean for the World Bank's reputation? I mean, the investigation was done by a prominent law firm, Wilmer Hale, and that says a lot, right? Well, Mark, there's a, there's a lot to say about that. But basically, um, the implication, the suggestion, actually the, the quite compelling evidence from the Wilmer Hale report is that those numbers were being manipulated. The big implication of that is you can't trust World Bank data and as the report suggests that Kristalina Gurgieva was involved in that, if that's true, and I can't stress it enough, she absolutely denies it, but the, the noise that's out there is that if that's true, then can we trust numbers at the IMF? Um, and certainly, I spoke to uh, quite a few people at the IMF uh, serving members of IMF staff now since this came out who are saying we feel that our work has been undermined. So, Jonathan, what are we talking about in terms of severity here? Could Georgieva lose her job? And, you know, what would this mean more broadly for the IMF? Well, that's the big question. I mean, that's what everybody's looking at. I mean, there have been several high-profile statements of support. Kristalina Georgieva, many people would say, has had a fantastic pandemic. She has taken the IMF and kind of um, turned it into another development institution. Her critics would say... That's one thing. The Wilma Hale report is a separate thing. And there we're talking about governance. We're talking about cooking the books. I quoted one uh, senior economist in, in the private sector saying, you know, at the end of the day, you don't cook the books. And if you do, you have no role in policymaking. And a lot of people are coming out of the woodwork and saying, I mean, just look at the comments under the stories that we've been publishing in the FT, saying that she has to go, that she should at least step aside while the investigation is ongoing. But no, she's coming out fighting. Jonathan Wheatley is the FT's Emerging Markets Correspondent. Thanks, Jonathan. You're very welcome. Pleasure to talk to you.
Deutsche Bank has severed relationships with a very small number of wealthy clients with criminal records. This follows the arrest of the late disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. The bank's chief administrative officer, Stefan Simon, told the FT that after Epstein's arrest in 2019, Deutsche Bank conducted an internal analysis looking for, quote, other cases of clients who were onboarded in the past but should be viewed differently today. Epstein was already a convicted sex offender when Deutsche Bank took him on as a client. Simon is overhauling the bank's compliance. He stressed that banker mindset was the key to avoiding legal compliance risks. He told the FT that, quote, if in doubt, we need to say no to clients and transactions. We have heard a lot about computer hackers, right? Now there's a new phenomenon, biohackers. These are amateurs and academics who are using gene editing tools like CRISPR in self-made labs and, at times, on their own bodies. The FT's Isabella Kaminska spoke to some of these garage gene scientists and joins me now. Hi, Isabella. Hi. Isabella, tell us a little bit about Paul Dobrova, the amateur scientist you met. Um, What kind of experiments is he doing and and what motivates him to do this? So he's a really interesting character. Um, He kind of uh, reached out to me months and months ago trying to flag my attention to this growing problem of amateur scientists. He himself is a sort of of jack-of-all-trades, polymathic type who is interested in a broad range of uh, different disciplines, but biology and microbiology and all this stuff, he's entirely self-taught. And um, so he has been sort of telling me about how easy it is for, you know, he does it just for fun. Um, He likes to make uh, beer glow and it's all really accessible these days because you can buy these kits off the internet. And um, he has been learning as a result, just in the spirit of trying to kind of, I, w- I would call him more of like a penetration testing type of mindset. Uh, if he can do it, then anyone else can do it. And so um, that's where his sort of compulsion came from, was just to sort of see if he himself could do these things. And he contacted you, not just to tell you all the things he could do, but to, to let you know about his concerns, even national security concerns. Uh, what are they? So I think one of the biggest ones is just the fact that the cost of all the materials is falling and things like DNA synthesizers are really easy sort of uh, to get hold of. Then once you've got one of those, um, the door is open to all sorts of experimentation. And so he was sort of taking me through how easy theoretically it is. You can sort of download a sequence pretty much in in some ways, like you would download your photographs. So so you would upload the digital information to one of these service providers who would then send you a sample of the sort of DNA base information in in a sort of vial, which could then be used in lab experiments. Now, that is not a live virus, but it is the means by which you could end up producing a live virus uh, if you have the know-how. Anyone who is sound of mind is not going to be doing these experiments, uh, you know, in in their kitchen without taking precautions. But um, if amateurs can do this, his concern is simply that somebody who is more bullheaded about it or has an agenda, say a, a nefarious agenda, and the means and the access to capital to get this done, can definitely accomplish much greater things. And that really is the concern on on the security side. So Isabella, scientists, amateur biohackers, they say they can be more innovative if they don't have to deal with the bureaucracy that comes with securing funding. What do you make of that argument? Well, I think, I think you know, what I've learned from this whole process is that science is a compulsion. 
They are natural tinkerers and they will tinker with stuff irrespective of whether you say you shouldn't or you shouldn't. Um, and this is really in the spirit of innovation and in the in the history of the great sort of scientists throughout the ages who have pushed, you know, humanity forwards. If you think of the mad scientist in his garage who's kind of blowing himself up or even sort of on the more uh, scary side, like a, like a Frankenstein type figure. And if you are sort of free radical type, you're not necessarily very good at following orders or putting in grant requests or, you know, dealing with a lot of bureaucracy. But the big difference is that I think bio, in the biological field, because of technologies like CRISPR, the access to some of the uh, technology and to what they can achieve and the consequences of that and how the viruses they're working with, whether they're contained or not, the consequences are much potentially much more fatal because, you know, if a scientist blows himself up in the lab, it's a fairly contained accident. But with a pathogen, of course, as we all know now, the potential for it to spread, you know, in a chain reaction across the world is 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 massive. So going back to Paul DeBrova, um, does he have any idea about where this could lead and how biohacking should be controlled or or managed? Right. So. There are different views on how to manage it because you don't want to stifle the innovation. Um, it's so important that that continues to happen. And so Paul Dubrova's idea is that you should, you know, we need to effectively stop this um, capability from becoming a poor man's nuke because that's what it is. It has the potential to kill as many people as a, a nuclear weapon, but it's simply the comparative cost is so much lower. Like, you know, to manage a nuclear uh, submarine or a nuclear fleet, uh, a nuclear arsenal is is a, you know, billion, trillion dollar enterprise, right? Whereas to create a biosafety level three lab, you know, the costs are just much lower um, and could be done off grid. So he says the best way to, to manage that is just to try and make the entire supply chain really expensive. And if you can like find choke points and control them, then hopefully you can manage the supply chain and in, at least make it far more expensive to create a lethal path, pathogen in, in a sort of amateur lab. Isabella Kaminska is the FT's Alphaville editor. Thanks, Isabella. Oh, thank you. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT news briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.